Thrive, flourish, unleash your buried treasure. This is the Exponentially Empowered Podcast with Joel Vine. Through conscious action and authentic self-connection, empower yourself to write your own script. Hey everyone, this is Joel, episode 24, Exponentially Empowered Podcast. You may notice that this microphone is of higher quality than the microphone from the past few episodes of season two. Long story short, my previous podcasting mic was no longer working, and I recorded those episodes for season two on my basic earbuds microphone, which is of course not ideal, but I didn't want that to stop my motivation and stop the creative process. So I went ahead and recorded those episodes for season two and wasn't perfect audio, but I think it's still valuable for you. And so on this next episode, on today's episode, that is with Jackson Sullivan, who will be our guest. He is using a good microphone like I am right now, but the microphone that I I'm using right now didn't come in until after I'd recorded the conversation with Jackson. So I'm sort of using my old earbuds, and so it's not a perfect match in audio quality, but I just wanted to give that little disclaimer. But this conversation conversation with Jackson, I think, is deeply valuable, and we cover some very deep territory in terms of psychology and self-acceptance and Jackson and I, since he came on the show two years ago, we've become good friends and we've recorded a few different podcasts these past two years. And it's always a a very enjoyable time talking about the nature of self from different standpoints, from Western, from Eastern, and how that can create a, a more harmonious relationship with the parts of self as well as harmonious relationships with others. So we start off talking about this book, The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle, talking about present moment awareness and connection to sort of that greater source of life that is planet Earth and all creatures on it and how that presence is invaluable for inner peace and sort of pairing that with the idea of compassion because Tolle talks about when you're in that space of the moment, you are fully compassionate and you can see the parts of self that are perhaps troubled. And we team that Jackson and I team that concept with internal family systems therapy, which I've talked about a few times in these past episodes in season two. IFS therapy is an instrumental in understanding one's own inner landscape. And from there we, we move into some further territory of extending that compassion for self to others and becoming curious. And you'll see towards the end that we get into very deep, profound territory, I would say. And I, I invite you to buckle up and, and put on your curiosity ears and see what you make of it all. So without further ado, I'll welcome Jackson Sullivan to episode 24. Take care, and we'll talk to you next time. All right. This is Joel for Exponentially Empowered, and I have a guest today, our first repeat guest, 
Jackson Sullivan, who was on episode seven way back two years ago, which feels like two decades ago, but that's how fast the world moves these days. But I wanted to start off with a sort of a recognition of gratitude here, of gratitude and gratefulness, because we, I'm, I'm, I wanted to recognize the man or woman who invented podcasting, because I don't know who that is, <laughs> but 20 years ago or whatever it was, 15 years ago, someone had an idea in their head, which was to create the podcasting medium. And this has provided incalculable value, value to me in my own growth, as well as it's connected me to good people like Jackson Sullivan. So I'm grateful to, to call Jackson a friend now after we first connected two years ago. And we've through had this through this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. And now we've also recorded a couple podcasts couple on your, yeah. on your show, which is uh, Jackson Sullivan podcast. <laughs> So we're going to we're going to dive into some deep topics as we tend to do. And first of all, welcome Jackson. Yay. <laughs> I was just thinking about what you said about podcasting and gratitude. And I think uh it's probably more than 20 years cuz I feel like podcasting is just the digital form of radio show, like verbatim, not even like I have a, it's almost identical maybe a little more informal because of the internet and things, but I feel like it's almost like a hundred year old type thing to be grateful for when people first just started to have recorded audio conversations. Well, and you know, that just evolved from radio to podcasting. Or maybe that's, I'm such wrong. A, that's such a key point for the, the theme of this podcast, Exponentially Empowered, because the idea is don't underestimate the ripple effects that you can make in this world. And so, now what's coming to mind for me is, well, yeah, there was someone who was figuring out the radio a hundred years ago and, you know, he was working off the backs of, you know, other inventors and Thomas Edison and all these, all these inventors, um, paved the way for, for new creativity, you know? And so, yeah, I, that's the nature of creativity and the podcasting is a, an evolution, but the, the sort of evolution there is the accessibility and availability of communication for anybody to just, before you had to get a radio studio and all that. Now it's just incredible. Uh, it's, it's pretty freaking cool how easy it is. It's so easy. Yeah. And now the only thing that's not easy is overcoming the resistance, which is harder than, it's really hard, <laughs> but Oh, Can yeah. you imagine how much more difficult it would be to overcome resistance if you also have to do like incredible chores to do something? Oh yeah, there's like, just there's that much more yeah. friction. Yeah, uh, more, yeah, the friction is a good word for it. I'm with a, a friend of mine that I live with is really into music production, and he spent like a, a long time just getting his computer to like perfectly streamlined with all of the software, just perfect. All of the, everything lined up, everything, every single plugin he needed already like logged in, you'll get everything formatted the right way because that way when he does feel the urge to overcome the resistance to making music, he can just go and do it. Not the, you know, a huge process. Um, so I think there's, seems like there's a, we're very lucky with at least the podcasting and a lot of things that 
the friction. Uh, that, that, that's why I said that. He's reduced the friction significantly. And I think that, that is uh, a wise thing to do. Oh, man, that's, that's, that's an underemphasized element of the creative process. You know, you got to just clear clear the runway in order for the plane to take off. And sometimes that can be some really mundane things. Uh, if you don't have that defined and clear, then you're not going to create. But anyway, I want to uh, dive into some topics about, well, we're going to start with this book, The Power of Now, which you influenced me in finally reading after talking about it over and over. And I have read this book, The Power of Now, by Eckhart Tolle. And I think I resisted reading it because it seems to have the sort of new age esoteric bent to it. Hippie, but, hippie bullshit vibe kind of. Yeah, is kind of and I, you know, I don't want, I don't want that. I want clear, uh, logical information. And, but if you take an abundance mindset and an, value add mindset with any book you can you can you can extract information and bring it bring value into your life and so what i want to start with is this sort of i think false dichotomy that we tend to think about in our culture between peace like living with inner peace versus pursuing pursuing your ambitious goals oh my goodness we often think well all those all those (laughs) zen enlightened people they are at inner peace, but they're not really getting anything done. So if I was if I was satis- if I was satisfied with my life, I would just do nothing ever. Right, right. <laughs> it's just this. It's this. This all or nothing thinking. And I'm always trying to bash down false dichotomies like that. And so he, in this book, he does talk about that a little bit. Where you know it's possible to be in this state where you're you're getting things done really fast and ambitiously while being fully in the moment. Mm. And, and I guess, but, but more broadly, I wanted to kind of get your take on, on this book and what, what value you brought, you, you got out of it and we can kind of talk about what his, the basic theme and, and finding, finding presence in a very practical way. Yeah. So, I mean, Obviously, the all the concepts discussed in the book could be talked. I mean, he goes over so many things and brings them back to the now thing. So, I mean, the value is amazing for me. But I, I'll, the easiest way for me is just to respond to that false dichotomy you were talking about. That can kind of get me rolling, which is, as you said. A lot of people are resistant to the idea of, to even the suggestion of live present in every single moment because they fear that if they were completely present, they would have, meaning satisfied with what is, it's the same thing kind of, not satisfied, but accepting, right? It's, 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 it's true presence. You don't even realize that you're satisfied or accepting. You're just there you are experiencing the thing in front of you and people fear that if you do that there will be no motivation or urge to ever pursue any of the goals that you have and 
I have a couple of responses to that. Number one, I think people are correct <laughs> to some sense that there are certain goals and things that you think that you want that if you were present, very likely you would realize are not at all what you truly want and you would let a lot of that stuff go. So I think that there is an element of truth to the idea that presence might result in you not pursuing certain things. However, the reality is, in my experience, and he talks about this in the book, that the more satisfied and content and present you are in your life, the more motivation there is to create art or create whatever it is you want to create. The more exciting things are, like astoundingly more and easy. It's not like this, oh my goodness, I have to make music because it's just like, oh yeah, this is I'm having a good time. This is groovy. I'm making some music. I, I love it. There's not this like... So I think it's just like utterly false. It's so false that the reality is that the more present you are, the more you get done. And I already said that. But that's the truth. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I like that rebuttal because <laughs> well, yeah, uh, you don't have the anxiety. Yeah. You don't have what he calls identification with the mind. Exactly. Just, yeah, I haven't even... <laughs> you become yeah. so attached to all these thoughts that then you just let go and you go do the thing that you want to do. And you can hey, still right, be exactly. really present. You can still be conscious of your goals and your priorities without getting sucked into the vacuum of, of the mind. And there's different ways he's, 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 you know, identifying this mind as sort of in a typical Eastern way of the ego, but then there's also, you could just talk about it from, you could talk about it just a few episodes on my podcast. I mentioned the concept of self hate, which is from this book. There is nothing wrong with you by Sherry Huber. And she identifies that as self-hate, the, the constant inner critics, right? Uh, that's basically the same thing as this ego, these voices. It, it, the and same, yeah. when you when you disidentify from that, it doesn't mean that that you're going to be just completely a, a big slug doing nothing. Well, yeah, and most most this is the thing that I'm starting to realize, just how true it is. Most people, almost everyone, including me, including you to a very large degree still because we're not enlightened, most people are so identified with their mind that the idea of becoming present is actually terrifying because it means they lose all sense of identity, which is everything that they think they have. And that might be an exaggeration. I'm probably projecting a little bit. There's a lot of people who genuinely enjoy the activities of their life and are present with them they don't even realize they're present which means they're more present which is a good thing in my opinion but um uh yeah i i people are very afraid of that present moment thing and, and well what's happening there is not the wisest self being afraid it's another part that's another part in the psyche. Yes. So now he's actually afraid because what he talks about is, you know, tapping into what he calls capital B being, which is this, mm -hmm. you can call that life source 
pure uh, consciousness just the yeah, hum the underneath loving. all of it yeah the all-loving nature of the universe and that all creatures seem to have look at you look at you sounding all esoteric <laughs> <laughs> well i want to get into this later about about like merging western versus eastern but um yeah <clears throat> no i mean if you seriously if you go if you go look at a tree it's just standing there and it's life and it's not thinking about time this is another point where yes. the identification with the mind is getting so sucked into future and past and the nature of time and that all other living beings don't have this concept of time. They're just present. They're just there. And children are that way too, or babies at least. Yeah. So, so the, so when you tap into that energy or the, the being and you're just present observing of all the voices in the inside of yourself, the emotions or the thoughts, then you're completely wise. You're not afraid of that. You have no there's fear no, because no fear is another thing to observe. Yeah. You, you're simply part you're sim- simply part of the present moment and that is the the true that is the true state of enlightenment that is and the de- then, maintaining that permanently is the definition of enlightenment yeah yeah so when so when people when people have these uh rejections of of the of someone advocating for living in the moment that's again this other part that's afraid well, Yes, and I think – sorry to interrupt you. You Go ahead. Uh, I was going to say I think there's one other element too, which a lot of people associate the, even the phrase of the now or live in the moment with sort of like rave girls on like extraordinary amounts of drugs saying like, ha, ha, hashtag live in the moment. Oh, my God. <laughs> and like YOLO, live for the day. I think that a lot of people get really turned off by that as well, which again is just their own ego with identity because I've, I'm starting to believe that most, this is my perspective, most people's, and Eckhart Tolle talks about this constantly in the book, most people derive more a sense of identity from what they don't like than what they do. That's something I'm noticing a lot in myself, that I'm not that way. I don't like that. I don't like that because usually even the things that I do identify with, they're also like identify with in the negative ego sense, not even negative. Nothing's negative. You know, yeah. Most things my ego identifies with um, are usually sort of like, cause I'm not that way. Like, Oh, I'm strong means I'm not weak or I am intelligent. I'm not uh, ridiculous. Or whatever, so yeah. These a labels. lot of people don't. Yeah, a lot of people don't want to be this dumb hippie. I'm not that. I oh, hashtag live in the moment. They like they they associate that with people who are irresponsible, who make poor financial decisions, who don't have any foresight into the future of their life, and who are broke and rely on society and their parents to survive and then say live in the moment and they're like well no i don't want to do that i'm gonna make i'm gonna plan for my life and make decisions <laughs> um i think a lot of people have that i think those are the there's the the initial thing that you said about what we've been talking about about people 
afraid that if they live in the moment, they won't do anything. But then I think there's also people who don't want to be like that. And that's like a big reason why they get turned off by it. Yeah. And it goes back to the false dichotomy concept because yes. people get so attached to language itself that they <laughs> hear a statement and then they're, because they want to be independent, I think, and autonomous as thinkers, because everyone has that, whether it's conscious or not. And so then they dismiss, dismiss a new, new information, a new perspective and put it in a box, put it in a, a category that's so that they don't lose their own sense of, of their own worldview. But this is why dissolving dichotomies and having an abundance mindset and a curious mindset about new information, about statements, about a social media post. This is invaluable. I'm coming to learn in, in the personal it's, development it's, to have, <laughs> to have such curiosity yeah. about language and concepts and so that you can integrate it into your previous knowledge instead of saying, well, that's not true because, or yeah, but right. You can instead say, Oh, how could that be true? Or what if that were true? How is this true? When is this true? You know, what, what is, what does this person mean by that? Like that's a curiosity mindset and that's going to be super valuable in your, your growth journey because you're going to be constantly bringing in new information rather than trying to reject yeah, and Isaac Morehouse talked about this early on and me knowing him, but like that is what you just talked about is one I believe so critical for actually developing as a person to a in a certain direction. I was going to say a high direction, but that doesn't exist, but into a certain direction because... That's the the struggle I have with a lot of like a lot of people I know that I initially started talking to personal development about is they're so closed to anything that might seem eastern or hippie or esoteric or whatever because they can't do what you just described. They, they refuse or are unable to say, what can I get from this? What value can I extract from this? And you, and you just made me realize with your language, how much that's an abundance scarcity mindset thing blows my mind. How many things come down to abundance versus scarcity mindset? Yeah. Almost everything. Cause I think also, a hundred. This is why I'm excited to have this conversation too, because w- whether it's uh, uh, power of now, inner family systems, Buddhism or Hinduism, even Western philosophy, Stoicism, other things, Christianity, modern personal development, the art of not giving a fuck, all of these things, I'm seeing. It's all. All these things connect perfectly. It's like jigsaw puzzle for me, and. What was I about? Why did I say that? I was going to say, oh, the abundance mindset. So I think that having a 100% abundance mindset, the psychological state 
of a hundred percent abundance mindset is full presence in the moment hmm. because abundance is like if you're hundred percent if you're just radiating abundance and you're bringing in all the abundance there's no why why are you not present there's nothing to worry about there's because presence in the moment is also lack of fear in my opinion this is a Buddhism and, and traditional enlightenment kind of, I think, would agree. When you are 100% free of fear, you are enlightened. That's sort of like 100% present in the moment. Eckhart Tolle talks about this, that, that the attachment to time is always fear. That when you live in time, you're always afraid of something. In some way, even if it's just your ego afraid of losing its identity or whatever it is, attachment is fear. And true fear is released with abundance and then you're just in the free-flowing flow of time. You're sitting on a log on a river, and you are 100% at that moment of the log. Every second, that's where you are, and you're just moving. But the whole universe is doing that. I had this weird uh, imagery that popped into my head one time. How do I put this? It was like, imagine like a cylinder, like a can that has little shaped, uh, like jigsaw puzzle style, little shaped like things sticking off of it, like 3D shapes, and it's rolling. And then on the ground is like a metal sheet that has holes that perfectly correspond with the shapes. And this metal thing is just rolling and perfectly lining up and clicking in as it rolls. And that's kind of like the unfolding of time. And when you're 100% present in the moment, you're always at the spot where those shapes are clicking in. Hmm. That might be really out there to, to share this strange imagery. But, uh, well, let's, um, yeah. let's bring it, let's bring it, uh, back to this idea of compassion. Because when you're tapped mm. in, when you're tapped into being, you're tapped into the source, you're, you're not identified with the mind and, time and you're in that in that state where you're 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 matching your little cylinder there is all synced up yeah so if you're in that you're in a state of compassion and this is something that i've even just reading this book i think my compassion increased five percent ten percent in the past couple of months reading this book and integrating the, the information in this concept would you uh, say it's even more in the moments when, like, you were like, really, really present as a result of reading? Like, because he'll have you do certain exercises and things. Would, would more than five, ten percent? Oh, in the in those exercises, like when not just exercises, but when, like, do you feel like that's like an overall? You're saying in like the mo like in like the peak moments, do you feel like it's only five oh, to ten percent? In the peak moments, it's more than that. But yeah, okay, as an overall average out of my life because it's not yeah. like i read this book and now i'm 100 now you're enlightened because <laughs> that would not be, a, be not at all and i want to talk later about how internal family systems has been so critical for me for that but we'll yeah let's that. loop back so we're gonna we're gonna loop back at the end to this idea of principal development and your idea cool. of, of blooming and yeah. and integrating all these different concepts so <clears throat> but this idea this idea of compassion and then compassion for self and specific parts in our psyches. And this is what I really want to drill down on in terms of we have these inner critics. We have these 
voices that are judging and yelling at us. Pretty often. Pretty safe to say, highly ubiquitous experience in our culture. To have a constant voice that is saying, you're not doing this right. You aren't good enough. You messed up again. You're not efficient. Be more productive. You be more stop, productive. Stop being lazy. Be more polite. Or you know, all these messages. You should work out more. You should be work harder. You should be healthier, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And so oftentimes in personal development, we say, you know, let's overcome those voices. Let's fight that shit. <laughs> but but <laughs> what I want to introduce here is compassion for the parts that judge and, uh, judge and yell and shame at us, shame us using this state of, of connection to the, the being and, and you're com- connected to this life source and creating a yes. compassionate state. And I want to really tie this in in a very practical Western type way, right? So it's not, it's not this new age thing, but it's a really practical when you're in a state of compassion, that means you are able to observe those parts of yourself and then provide, disidentify from that part and provide compassion for it. This happened to me this morning. I was, uh, I've been waking up later than at least a part of me would like <laughs> recently. Because <laughs> I, you know, I really want to get things done first thing in the morning. And I like the feeling of, of being up earlier and uh, that sort of peace in the morning. But I, you know, had this other part that wanted to sleep in. And so... I, but I got up and then I kind of took my morning walk and there was this part of me that just kept, just kept giving me a hard time. And then I was able to do this exact thing, which was see the part, first of all, because usually we just become the part. We become the mind. We but totally, actually, 100%, the part completely takes control. Almost 100% of the time for most people, yeah. most of the time. Yeah, so interrupting that is the, is the key to building this new skill. So identifying it, un, unblending from it, disidentifying from it, and then seeing it as a separate entity, basically. Yep. And then seeing that it's, uh, that it's yelling and shaming me and then getting curious. And I was like, man... I was able to ask myself, ask this part of me, what is it that you're needing and wanting mm-hmm. through this? And and then from there, I was able to see this. I know you've talked about this in, in your podcast. I was able to see this inner child who was crying and angry. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden more compassion was able to permeate throughout my being. And like, that's, that's what I want to get down to because I think this, this is, is the this master. is the real work. The master. This is the supreme model of all of it, <laughs> in my opinion. Right. Uh, so rather than trying to overcome and conquer these parts that are, good Lord. That are these inner critics, most of my welcoming life. them and hugging these parts and becoming curious and compassionate. And then they actually don't want to do that anymore. It's pretty cool. Uh, do you want me to talk about everything you just said for a second? Absolutely. Yeah. That, uh, so that, that, that is, I'm going to kind of give a little quick, I guess not history, but like, 
explanation. So for me, Power of Now was not my very first exposure to the idea of this inner supreme uh, silent witness that's all present, all loving, all compassionate. Uh, I had sort of been exposed to that for a while due just through various, whether it's psychedelic use or Eastern philosophy reading or whatever. Even Stoicism is kind of the same thing. And uh, I, I had tried so hard, man. Like, holy shit, the the amount of effort I would put into maintaining the state of being the silent witness was ridiculous. I was fighting myself so hard all the time. And most meditative practice kind of treats the ego like this piece of trash. You know, the natural man is an enemy of God. Uh, and all this. And there's so much of this. Uh, it makes sense why people for thousands of years have been confused about this. Because as far as you can tell, the ego just gives you shit, tells you you're worthless, uh, hates everything, causes drama is terribly afraid all the time. And if only you can overcome it, if you cannot give into it, then you can become enlightened and be the silent witness and have awareness and presence. That didn't work for me worth shit. <laughs> because even even the effort, the, 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 the deep desire to be present is also ego, because I can observe the desire. So all of that is the spiritual ego, as they call it, it's the next step. It's like, oh, now I understand these things, and now I want them so bad, but that's still just nonsense in a way. And so I didn't really know what the hell. I, I always had this, because even Eckhart Tolle in Power of Now, it's still, he very much talks about the ego as sort of like it's a bad thing. Now, he also doesn't, like, like myself, doesn't necessarily subscribe to like traditional morality of like, this is right, this is wrong. But a lot of these people talk about ego like it's bad. Uh, yeah, he definitely just real quick interjection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely sense that that he's not fully healed himself, and then he's feeling this he's frustration, still, still, yes, and agitation, and he has this sort of tone in the in the book that you can see come lack through of compassion there. for the yeah. ego. It's a it's a yeah. nuisance. It's like a, a child that needs to be dealt with. Now, to be fair, he's not like that hardcore. He's not like mean dad about it. There's just a yeah. little frustration. And he's overall, especially if you listen to the audiobook, he's very gentle about it. And even the ego. So anyway, a couple things, though. So uh, I, I eventually I was listening to a Ram Das podcast, which is a, another step further into mysticism from Eckhart Tolle for sure. And because he, he went to India but and all this stuff and then and went and lived with a bunch of Hindu monks in the mountains, but his guru, whose name is Maharaji. Uh, and if you really look at it, Maharaji, this old man in India could potentially be seen as a significant starting force of the hippie movement of the 1960s and seventies because Ram Dass came back and like told everyone all these ideas. Anyway, I'm not going to get too off track. There's a single line in that podcast that has stuck with me more than anything else. It's not a podcast. It was a recording of all of his audios from the 70s. And Maharaji said, 
because Ram Dass was doing what I did and what everyone else does. Oh my God, I have to escape the ego. I'm going to overcome the ego. I'm going to conquer my puny ego because the spiritual capital S self is infinitely powerful and the ego is weak and stupid and all of that. And here's what Maharaji said to him. To escape the tyranny of thought forms, you must honor your personality. Now, this was the first time something that I had been thinking for a long time was validated by someone else, which is that I always had this feeling of like, wait a second, I'm supposed to like watch over my ego. Like if I am this like capital S self, I have this body, I have this mind. And if I'm all compassionate and loving, won't I be all compassionate and loving for that? I didn't see it that clearly, but there was always something that felt off about like, just trying to ignore it. I literally sometimes in my head sometimes had these voices when I would feel like a god in my capital S self for meditation. There'd be these little voices like, wait, are you just going to abandon me? Like, what about all this pain? That was the big thing. There was so, I have so much, I had, I especially back then, I had so much unhealed trauma, insane amounts and unhealed pain that the idea of, of, when I would try to become capital L self, this trauma was like, wait, are you just going to pretend I don't exist? And I thought, is that, is all, wouldn't all loving and all compassionate tr- help that? And I never knew what I could do at all. And it was all, but then I, then a Maharaji, when I heard that to escape the tyranny of thought forms, you must honor your personality. Honoring person, my personality to me meant healing the trauma and meant actually giving up the pursuit of trying to always be present and be this capital S self, this silent witness within, pure consciousness, beingness, whatever, all the words, enlightenment. Uh, because that was that was actually my ego just trying to avoid healing itself because that was too painful. So that's one thing that, that and I'm almost done. I'm going to get around to the conclusion of, of what's changed my life in the last couple of months. But that was only my Eckhart Tolle that Eckhart Tolle and other people, I want to, I'm curious about the level of trauma they have around fear um, and pain of certain kinds, because when you have, it's like, so Eckhart Tolle says in the book, pain and fear made unconscious do not reduce the amount so if you had trauma and you become unpresent, this is what I believe most people become unpresent. There's some emotion or some thought or some experience that we deem unacceptable and we leave the present moment to escape it. That is what I believe happens for everyone. I, I, I'm not going to stand by that fully, but I think that's kind of what's going on with it. So when you have with me, every time I would try to become present and focus on the now, my entire nervous system would freak the hell out and to get tense, and I was fighting so hard to become present. It was so hard, like horrifyingly hard. It was just impossible. I would meditate for 45 minutes sometimes and still barely get an instant of presence. It was uh, just insane. And these Eckhart Tolle, it's like, oh, just become present. And he said, feel the pain. All right, I agree. But it's almost like if you had this trauma, as soon as you become present, there's the pain. There it is right now. It's always there. It is in the present moment because that's where it's been the whole time unfelt. 
So when you have the level of accumulated trauma that I had around fear, my nervous system was permanently stuck in fight or flight, complete terrified. I didn't know this. I just had severe anxiety and brain fog. But I didn't know until recently what was happening when I tried to become present was my body and my ego was like, uh-uh, we are not feeling this pain. We are not feeling this fear. We are going to remain unpresent. That is too much to handle. That was the, the fight. So I'm trying to force this. It's like, imagine it's like I'm trying to take my ego and throw it into a volcano. And it's just like, nope, we're not going there at all. And so that's what I'm interested in is like, Yes, I agree with Eckhart Tolle, like, feel the pain, because that, and the more you presence in the pain, it's not even pain anymore. It feels like, it's almost orgasmic sometimes, like, actually releasing emotional pain. It's, like, insane when you actually feel it, and it's gone. It feels incredible. It's like a massaging a tense muscle, mm-hmm. and it's just loosened. It's the best feeling in the world. And, and you have to be fully present for that. But, but anyway, so all this time, I was like, shoot, I can't even become present because there's too much pain and my nervous system refuses to feel any of it. That's how much pain there. Because then there's fear of the fear of the pain. It's just infinite. There's just so much going on. How the hell? And that's why I knew I, that's why I finally said, okay, I need to talk to a Western therapist because they're actually good at this stuff. Now I haven't done that yet, but I've self therapied a lot and I feel calmer than ever right now because I finally found the grand model that you'd been telling me about for so long. I wish I had, well, I don't wish it now. It was all perfect how it all happened but uh internal family systems yeah is, you know, we can go into that now i'll i mean i'll pause there but i'm just going to say that it was the tool that saw how the capital s self is a thing and is all loving compassionate powerful and present and it gave me a tutorial on how to effectively heal the ego and that, that so that the ego would re, this is why the word I really am big on so that the ego would relax enough for the capital S self to step forward and be able to like take control of the organism. It gave me the how to, and I that is everything. And most mindfulness practice, in my experience, is about ignoring and pretending and like ignoring the ego, getting so good at ignoring the ego that you can be present. Whereas inner families and transmissions. I think it's possible to make your ego not neurotic by giving it what it never got and what it needed early on. I uh, like that. I like that. Yeah. Give allow the ego to not be neurotic. That that really speaks to this idea of unconditional, yeah, self acceptance and and compassion for whatever is actually happening. Yeah, and and totally talks about it. He talks. I, I love his term, which is pain body. Yes, and he separates. He encourages you to separate yourself from the pain body. Again, you can, there's different ways to talk about this, but becoming the, becoming the wisest self and then observing the, either the, the voice, the inner critic, or just the actual, absolute, the actual physiological emotional pain. And you, you become curious, but where is, this, where is this energy that needs attention and healing? Where is it in my body? And then literally becoming observant of it and yeah that is where the magic happens when you and it's not even magic it's just nervous it's system so it's just nervous it's so... system rewiring it's like and, when you cut yourself and it, if you cut your finger on yeah. something and it heals imagine if you're constantly digging into it or constantly like 
resisting yeah, the healing, that's, that's, it wouldn't that's, happen. That's a good way to put it because, yeah, we even hear this word healing. It's like a physical wound, culture. emotional stuff, yeah. But again, we attach the word healing to new age, esoteric, Eastern ridiculousness mm. that doesn't, you know, uh, I mean, like I have on my You're website. You're right. I didn't even realize that. Sorry, I interrupted you. Go ahead. Well, I, I have on my website um, that one one of my values is I want I want I think self healing is key to building a, a compassionate peaceful world and um, compassionate joyful and win win based world and I've actually noticed that I have this insecurity this part of me is in, is is like feeling uneasy about the fact that I have the word healing on my homepage because there's some cult- uh. cultural um, there's like this cultural connotation that that's, um, you know, again, it's, it's just new age hippie or whatever. Um, but when, we, when we see it as just analogous to healing a cut with a Band-Aid, which is completely Western, we're healing nervous system malfunctions, basically. <laughs> that's pretty much, if you want to put childhood, that's what it is, is a nervous system. Yeah. It's like your nervous system is defunct. Yeah, well, it, it, it's it's really basic. It's very scientific because it's it's the body at, in childhood. The body is trying to survive first and foremost, and then in these certain environmental situations, in order to survive, the body releases cortisol at a, out of a flight or fight response, and teaches the nervous system to basically don't self-express, don't talk about your emotions, or don't be your true self. Because that's not safe. Yes. Well, and that's around just your parents or around your teachers, or you know, you'll get punished if you yes. say what's really going on for you. So the nervous system adapts to the environment, creates protector parts, creates these wires that says, when this happens, don't do this, or when this happens, do this. And that is what that is the process of suppression of the true self. And so when we're trying yeah. to emerge, because the true self is. Heal, yeah. Is is telling these parts in these literally you're telling different neurons. I think you're you're telling different neurons to to you're 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 sending these messages that it's okay. You're not actually in danger, and and you can finally relax. Okay. Yeah, and and, yeah. and and it's it's such a beautiful thing. So that's what I've been doing now. Is is almost every day now. Like. When I go to bed, I wrap my arms around myself because there's so much. <laughs> there's still a lake of trauma. But, like, I, I wrap my arms around myself, and I've been finding, holy shit, dude, this is powerful for this. Taking deep breaths and remembering to do it the whole time, wherever the breath wants to go, through my nose only. Usually, usually I'm like, oh, no, breathe in the diaphragm. Uh-uh. Wherever. Wherever it wants to go, deep breaths, and then breathe it almost, like, into the part and that really helps me to get to those emotions. And I just hold it. And at first, I was often speaking to the parts. And I still do that a lot. Speaking with the parts is one of the most powerful parts of internal family systems. You give it a voice saying, what do you need? More, I would say at this point, like 75% plus, maybe more of the time, what the part needs, it's so instant. Love. I just need love. And for me, that is expressed in the form of just, I wrap my arms around myself and I start breathing. And I say to the part, I say, I've been doing the same thing. I say, I love and I appreciate you unconditionally. 
This is a whole lot different than BS affirmations where I say, I love myself. Oh, I am powerful. This is speaking to something. And, and that creates that separation that you're talking about. It makes it very easy to have the, 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 the critical separation. It's like, I try to be, imagine that I'm speaking to a child. If a little kid came up to me and I told them everything was okay, I would mean it. So I have to mean it. I really try to step into that place and I mean it. And the reason I say I love and appreciate you is because love can be cold in a way. It's like, oh, well, I'm capitalized self. I love everything. Great. You know, but appreciate is so important because that means I actually like this thing. I actually am grateful that this part is a part of my life, whereas most of the time this part has experienced itself as being rejected and a nuisance its entire existence. What the fuck? You're constantly making it so I can't be productive because you cause anxiety and all this stuff. Whereas now I'm saying this is what this was in the book, uh, More Than the Sum of Our Parts, the audiobook I'm listening to by the guy who started Internal Family Systems. And he says to thank the part because here's one of the most profound insights into human personality, in my opinion. Every single part is doing what it's doing because it loves you, as far as I can tell. When the parts are, are, are causing anxiety, they're afraid because they want to protect you or whatever. When they're angry, they're, trying, they're getting pissed because someone wronged you and they want to make sure that, it's, that that doesn't happen again or whatever. It's always seemingly to me there's some loving – there's like a loving intention with it. So you can thank the part. Thank you. Thank you for doing this for me. And I hold the part and I breathe. And when I'm learning about what happens, as soon as I'm giving it that love, love is the word, when I'm able to truly love the part in like a Christ kind of way, I, the part, it's all about safety. The part finally feels safe enough to feel unsafe. So that's really important. Do you see what I mean by that? It's almost like the part I'm able to finally feel that that fear and that pain because like imagine if you were like a little kid and like a big strong person who's full of love comes and like sweeps you into their arms and holds you. You're not instantly happy, but now at the very least you can breathe and feel afraid and it's okay to be afraid. Yeah. Oh man. And this that's is so powerful. <laughs> And so I tell part, it's okay to be afraid. And I just breathe and I breathe and I breathe and I breathe and I breathe. And I sit there and occasionally I love and I appreciate you unconditionally. And then I sometimes say, uh, this has been so powerful the last couple of days. This has been really transformative because I never knew what relaxation meant until very recently. I say, you can relax now. But I have to be sure if the part detects that I am saying that because I want them to relax because they're causing an issue. Right. Uh-uh. It's so such a small difference, but it matters. I have to, the part needs to feel like I'd be willing to sit there for the next six hours with it. Cause that's how much love. Yeah. For true it. action back. Yeah. Not, not simply affirmation, personal development. Well, yeah. Um, not work. like, Oh shoot, this part is acting up. Wait, wait, let's This is a big phrase. The parts always come up with. Let's deal with this so I can get back to what I was doing. Yeah. That yeah. does not work. At least in my it's thing. It's got to be genuine. It's got to be. Yeah. So anyway, that's my kind of method right now is I, and there's other things too with IFS that I'm going to, like, you can ask these questions. Like, what do you need? What are you trying to tell me is a big one. And then the thank you, the thank you to the part is so important because it's different than love. It's almost like appreciation. It's like, oh man, I, I like this part. It's a cool personality. Once it heals. So then eventually the longer that I hold that part, I've started, and those parts are kids. 
lately I've been doing some stuff that I'm like, is this part created before I could talk? Because there's some parts straight up, man. There's a lot of parts lately that there's no dialogue happening. It just needs to be held. And I feel like this, when I'm holding my arms around myself, I feel like I'm holding a baby almost, like a toddler who's like, just like, I think of my little, like, I think of like my little short hair or my soft short hair when I was a kid. And the part is just like being held or something. I don't know. And it's, it's very primal at that point. And that's yeah, really, yeah, yeah. really powerful. Do you relate with that at all with the IFS stuff? Like some parts, there's not even an issue. They just need more love and they didn't get it. Yeah. I find that oftentimes we just need to be seen and heard. Yeah. We, don't need, <laughs> we don't need to have a whole conversation about what's going on and why we simply need we meaning like these deepest exiled parts to yes. use a term from IFS. Uh, they simply need to be seen because they've been, they've been locked in a cage for decades, perhaps mm. uh, they've been pushed down. And of course that's by other parts that are also loving and trying to get needs met. Um, but, it, it, but, it, but we just need oftentimes to have the courage to, to see every single part, and without having to go any further than, hey, I see you and you're, it's okay to be, to be you, you know, and, and just to zoom out a little bit for the listener who may not be, you know, versed in IFS, this, this is internal family systems therapy. It does, it does integrate, connect nicely with the themes we've been discussing with the power of now. And I, you know, there are dozens if not hundreds of different modes of psychotherapy but i cannot cannot uh emphasize how valuable ifs therapy is and i i uh met with an ifs therapist for you know every week for a year and that process of of having a coach to 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 guide me in connecting to the different parts of myself uh, has been invaluable and so the basic premise is to, to see the different voices and in, inside of your head as almost separate personalities um, and to be able to converse with them and get curious about what their opinions are about various topics within, within the psyche. So another phrase that really resonates within this is all parts welcome all parts mm-hmm. welcome whatever's going wow. on all parts welcome because sometimes there can be a competition where one part's trying to say something then another part's trying to chime in and say Most i don't want to hear that i, yeah. I want to be heard and and it becomes this this sort of win lose conquering type atmosphere within the psyche itself and and if you can become present and become that capital s self again and say all right let's take a step back here all parts are welcome. All right. Everyone here has my unconditional love and support. And now we, we can perhaps have some conversation. Um, I mean, this is, this can seem almost, almost complex perhaps to, to someone just coming across it and maybe overwhelming. And, but um, I it's would actually pretty easy. Yeah. And, and I would just, you know, to persuade the listener perhaps more, I think this is really the, the deepest healing work, deepest work that one can do. 
to and, improve yeah. the world. And this, I just wanted to kind of wrap this back up to what I've been saying about in the past few episodes about impacting the world, because we, in this current climate in the world, we, we want to go turn towards what uh, was oftentimes outside of our sphere of control. And we want to, to create big movements or political act, uh, legislation to try to change the world because we feel so frustrated with what we see maybe. And I want to say, let's go the opposite direction and let's spend some quality time in this realm, because this is, this is huge in understanding why there's violence in the world to begin with. It starts with this inner landscape because every single human on this globe has an internal landscape, has an internal psyche and they have the same processes going on with his inner critics, with these parts that are exiled down. And they're, all these parts are trying to get needs met. And when someone commits a violent act, it's tragic. But it's because they're not feeling that love for themselves. They're not getting they're these fake, needs met. Yeah. And if we can do the inner work, we can heal ourselves and we can help others we increase compassion for ourselves we can increase compassion for others and this can spread but you can't do that you can't spread peace if you don't do it on yourself first impossible in my i would say and and i would also say that when you reach a state of compassion for yourself it is impossible to not have that for other people yeah uh it's almost like the natural byproduct because that's the nature of the true self is love uh, as hippie as it sounds, it is the reality. It doesn't matter if it sounds like new age. It is, as far as I can tell, fact. Um, and that's why when I hear other people speaking this, this scorn and hatred for others, I'm like, that is unhealed something. It must be. Uh, that's not to say people can disagree with that with actions yeah absolutely or whatever but it's like this 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 there's this judgment might be the word there's this actually i don't even know judgment is fine too because judgment can be used more neutral like i judge the apple to be red uh right but in the typical connotation of good versus evil what's the word criticize there's the word i'm really looking for criticize that person. Joel, so uh, just over the past like 10 seconds, when you breathe, it breathes very loudly into the mic. Just want to let you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's not a big deal, though. But uh, yeah, this this criticizing or like, I want to get better. We're not judging or like scorning. Uh, There's probably actually a biblical word I'm thinking of that's really good, but I can't think of it. But it's just like the don't, try to pull the speck out of your brother's eye when there's still a log in your own. Uh, th- I love that. And it's like, I hear anyone, what, what blows my mind is how much people are willing to argue for, mm, there's the word, resenting, resenting other people, not their actions, them. It blows my mind how much people are willing to argue for that as being logical. I, I almost can't believe it sometimes because it does nothing for you. It does nothing for them. It does nothing for the world. Being cautious about someone's behavior, if they're going to continually create harm is one thing, 
but I, it blows my how much people actually doesn't blow my mind because I get it, but people will make arguments and use all the logic they have for why they ought to resent people. Yeah. Hey, so let's, can we unpack that? Like if we were to model some compassion for those people right now? Yes. Cause that's actually, that's actually the number one thing that I struggle to have compassion for, which I know means that I don't have compassion for the part of me that resents people because I'm trying so hard to be loving that I have exiled the part of me that is not loving, that hates everyone and everything. Yeah. And if I were to show yeah. compassion and love for that part, I believe all that would be left would be compassion and love for people who also don't love others. So anyway, you said you want to unpack that. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, like what are the needs behind? Because when someone's saying, you know, asserting, oh, no, I need to have this resentment. Fuck this is that logical. guy. Yeah. Um, you know, what do you think? You know, I, I, would, I, would, I would assert that that's mm-hmm. a part of that person that's not their wisest self. Yep. I would agree. Um, so what is it that they're trying to, what needs are they trying to get met? Just through that. Hmm. Well, so I'm interested in, in what you're saying. You think that in, with IFS or like in the way the parts work, that every part, everything it does is to get needs met. Part of me thinks that some of the behavior might just be reactive to the lack of the needs met, but the behavior itself might not be to get the needs met. I feel like if a part is in pain, it might do things that suck that aren't necessarily an act like a specific connected attempt to get the need met. I could be wrong. I think it is an attempt, but it's an unsuccessful attempt. Okay. Um, oh, like I maybe even, some... even if the part feels small, it's trying to feel bigger by saying, screw that person. It's like trying to meet the, the need. Is that what you might well, say? I think the, I think the resentment is really speaking to the need to be heard. You think um, so? That's one need. Um, okay the need to be understood, the need for efficacy. Oftentimes people aren't getting their need for efficacy met in like impacting internally. the world. Well, just feeling that they're not, they're not in control and, and they Powerless. see the world and they're like, I want to I want to have efficacy in terms of trying to create a better world. And and then maybe that, this is just, of course, a specula- speculation, but I think it's plausible in the scenario of someone expressing resentment behind that part is uh, a need to try to have an impact is to say, maybe that part would say, if I don't say anything, then we're just going to sit here on the sidelines and not assert ourselves and watch the world go on. But I need to go and speak truth. Right. And so this person is not doing something that's right. And I need to call them out. Right. And if, you know, what about (laughs) internal internal resentment though? It's not spoken. So I have a theory, which is uh-huh. that I, I just asked myself, I, look, I looked internally in this moment. And I said, I, I can think of specific examples. When I hear someone else uh, talking negatively by another person, I resent them for it. Like almost universally like that. There's a part of me key. There's a part of me that resents them for it. Now, I believe that. What does that mean? Now, what I just concluded is this. There is a part of me that resents others, <laughs> obviously, but even for other things, right? Not for that. The part of me that suppresses my resentment for people being stupid by my judgment, all these things, people being uh, so uncompassionate toward each other, all, all the things. So the parts of me that resent others. Now, here's the other thing. There is another part of me 
that thinks that that's unacceptable that I did I do that. It's unacceptable that I'm not more enlightened, that I resent other people. Absolutely unacceptable. It's part of me that 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 really looks at those parts down, looks at them from this ivory tower. That's so weak and unenlightened. How dare you resent people? That part is the part that resents others for resenting people. So the, what is that part trying to get met? So there's the part of me that resents the part of me <laughs> that resents others. And which means that, that that part can't have compassion for other people when they're doing the same thing that it can't even love in me. So the part that doesn't accept my resentment of others, what is it? What's up with that part? And I think I don't I'm no know what need is turning. I'm looking into it. I think that the part is it was it, it, it learned through reading these things about all compassion through reading about power of now presence. This part learn it's it created an ideal of love and compassion and not resenting others. It created an ideal which means trying to be like that. So now in any part of the family doesn't do that. It's like, wait, 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 you need to be like this. Because that part learned. So I guess the need trying to me is that it wants me to be a loving person, an all-compassionate person. So anytime a member of the family doesn't do that, it freaks out. And so yeah. that other people... So yeah, that, that's more Jungian psychology, but I believe that any resentment we hold toward any charge we have with another person is based on a disownership of a part of that person in ourselves so if i see someone else yelling at uh what's an example like if i see someone else being unproductive and i think you should be productive and i resent them or i have criticism toward them it's because i have not loved and accepted the part of myself that is unproductive i believe that this is universal for uh, resentments, yeah. Inclu- including people who resent Trump, including people who resent p- different politics. All of it is. Ooh, projection. you said the T word on my podcast. I did. I it's hate. Like- <laughs> I know. I almost didn't. I almost didn't. Uh, but I thought that it's a. Uh, that's the one that whenever I talk about projection, everyone's like, "I don't think it's projection with my resentment for him. He's just <laughs> yeah. an asshole. It's not projection." Uh. uh well, yeah, all these different voices and parts coming out. And definitely, <laughs> I think all these parts definitely have, are trying to get needs met. I mean, the, the part that's judging your resentment, is that how you put it? I mean, uh, I mean that yeah, part. Yeah, that was a lot. Trying, I, that was pretty complex. Yeah, it's but, kind, yeah. We're, we're getting into sort of inception territory here of lots of different layers. Um, and it can be a little bit confusing, but I think it, it it's, for, it's, it's, it's definitely worth exploring. Um, I think that part's trying to get need for growth met. I mean, he wants to see you thrive and flourish and become enlightened and become resourceful and available to spread peace and compassion to other people. And he wants to make sure he's vocalized because if, in his opinion, if you're resenting, then you're not doing that. Then you're not providing that. And then, therefore, if other people are resenting, they're not doing that. And he has the ideal that that's what we should do. Mm, should. Yeah. That's, and that's... Yeah, I know. <laughs> that's where we get into Dude, you this. just You just blessed me with some awareness there. Like, now, I, I in this moment, I was just... I did, like, a deep breath. 
and tried to like hold some compassion for the part of me that really wants to become enlightened and be all loving instead of just thinking that part's a dick. And I, I think that later on today or the next couple of days, there's a lot of value that could be had from me giving love to the part that just wants to grow like that and be more loving uh, rather than it was very clear to me in this moment, that part feels like I hate it yeah. and that I just think of it as a problem. So I think that showing love to that part is going to allow me to be a lot more compassionate toward other people when I hear them talking shit about other about people. So thank you for that. I didn't realize you saying that really gave me more clarity on what was going on. Well, I'm I'm glad to hear that. And, you know, if, if you had one little epiphany like that in today, then that's a win. That's, yes. that's your 1% growth of the day. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, and I wanted to touch on this as we as we near the end here how we can we can start with this inner inner exploration and acceptance and curiosity and compassion for all these parts and then as an extension of that you can become curious about others as we said that's it's an automatic extension the more you do it within the more you will want to you'll, you'll be available to provide it to other people and I wanted to touch on something that is uh, can be a little bit hard to comp- to consider, perhaps. But taking this framework of of compassion for all parts within oneself and other other selves, and having curiosity for for all these other parts and their and their and their actions and their in their words. So when we see violence in the world, again, can we extend compassion? That doesn't mean we agree with the action. It means that we extend curiosity and compassion towards that person who chose to act a certain way. And that's where we can become, get into a place of, of rehabilitation think as a larger society and right now we have this so-called justice system that is all based on punishment that you deserve this in order to show you a lesson right <laughs> for what you did and it's all this psychology of if we punish you that will prevent others from committing this and 100% based on fear 100% based on fear and so you know, again, going back to false dichotomies, people hear, oh, what if we don't punish them? Then it'll just be chaos and well, <laughs> and to killers. be and and there's that. And what I have had to accept, which is very hard for me, is also a lot of people, it's not just about that. They want to see someone punished. There's that. That is a little more sinister, but it's very real. People think people deserve to be punished for things that they've done that are wrong, right? Like punish him. Right. It's like, we've been, we've because been... the parts of them need, want them to be punished to get their needs met. Like we talked about, but like that's a little more, that was hard for me to accept. People want others to suffer deeply. Oh, sorry. Right. Parts well, of them, parts, parts of them, of them right. want that's others to suffer. It is really key to, to distinguish between it's very important to use that language. Just saying yeah. a person. Um, yes. It's not. It's in fact. It's not fair to say that person is this. It's not fair at all yeah. to anyone. 
Yeah, because it is true that maybe that part does want that, but really the truest self, the capital S self in that person doesn't because that person, that capital That's S self love. is connected to the capital B being. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, and so when we can get past the punishment paradigm, we can get into a paradigm of, paradigm of restorative justice. And, and, you know, if there's somebody who is acutely a threat to other people, that certainly doesn't mean that we just let that person be a threat. You know, there's a need for security, stability, and safety. And so there's, there's, there's no, uh, what I'm not suggesting is letting go of everything in order, and, and then just, you know, murderers have, are just, oh, it's all right. <laughs> Let's just have therapy and we're not going to, we're not going to stop. You know, there are, there are means to potentially restrain, restrain somebody. Who is an Which might be necessary threat. if they're an immediate threat. Absolutely. Exactly. Uh, even the, even I would say that with the child. If there's a child who is very upset, and they're they're literally in endangering somebody else, um, you can compassionately and lovingly um, physically stop them from doing that. Yes. Um, and so the question becomes: Well, what is the process of rehabilitation? And all this territory that we've been covering the past on this episode is, I think, the process of rehabilitation for people who are committing these these acts. Whether it's you know, it, it, let's let's take someone like a like a mass shooter, you know, and right there that maybe maybe someone listening was triggered by that because it's a really uncomfortable topic, isn't it? It's really scary to talk about someone to think about someone doing that, but. When we get curious from this compassionate standpoint of what are the needs behind the person doing that, is 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 that that person doing that uh, fully self-esteeming and in harmony in their psyche? Absolutely not. There's some and it is not even close hold on, hold on. through their conditioning and their upbringing. They're in a state of of illness basically. And Eckhart Tolle says this towards the end, that this is a mental illness and we can hold compassion for that. And, and we get curious about what are the needs behind that? If someone's trying to murder other people, maybe they're just completely distraught and not getting their need, need met for visibility. Like no one sees them. They're completely alone in this way. Now they can be seen. Now everyone knows them. I mean, it's a tragic expression of an unmet need. Like trying and going back to like, the attempt to get a need met, I think this is the case. Oftentimes, the attempt to be seen or to be loved, they're trying to get that need met because they can't they can't get get net get it met in any other way, and they they're turning towards this other strategy, which is also not really helpful. But they're at a complete loss, right? And I bring when this up don't... as an example of just a person who's committing what we call often senseless acts of violence. But it's not senseless. It's all based on cause and effect. And if you want to get to a place of restoration and rehabilitation, then doing this internal work and and therapeutic work is the way to to help our our culture get back on track, don't you think? Absolutely. And I think that it's a difficult thing to talk about, especially with things like mass shooting. I mean, you can go all the way up to Holocaust with this, but like... It's difficult because so many people 
again, false dichotomies. I think a lot of people seem to assume that if you seek to understand the emotional motivations behind someone who has done something like this, it means you are trying to justify the behavior. Yeah. I have had conversations with people where I, 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 I try to get them to seek the motivation of a rapist with me, the deep child inner trauma and motivation yeah. of a rapist or a pedophile or a murderer. And people seem to assume that the, just the suggestion of seeking to understand means I'm okay with what happened. They get very upset. So it's a very tricky thing to talk about because that's not at all it, but it's about truth. It's about reality. The truth is this person did this some part of them there is not harmony internally in my judgment not even close and the reason for that is either it's not just acute trauma like getting hit by your parents or whatever i would argue that growing up in this society is a traumatic experience because of the lack of love that exists in school and in most homes even if someone doesn't get acute trauma most people, in my judgment, are not getting the level of love and understanding and, and space from parent figures that I think would be healthy. So either way, uh, it's, it's, it's very sensitive and, and intricate to talk about this with someone or a lot of people because it is the fact that someone who rapes or murders people for whatever variety of reasons is doing so because there are parts that are afraid in pain and ignorant and it's not justifying the behavior and this could even trigger people but it is the reality that at the very core there is a childlike innocence in every human mind and there's just pain and confusion and I, I want to get really good at communicating that effectively in a way that doesn't sound in any way like it's a justification of the behavior. But if you want the behavior to stop, 100% vilification is not the way because now you're not seeking right. to understand. It's like even okay, – let's say, you, let's say even say you do hate the person and you want to justify your hatred. There's an, In the art of war and this whole – all this stuff, understanding understanding your enemy – is everything to defeating your enemy. So even if you're looking for that motivation, if you're not seeking to understand, you're going to continually lose over and over again. You must seek understanding, truth, reality. And, the re and, that, and this is the reality, as far as I can tell. And yeah, I was mostly reiterating the things that you said, but uh, I agree completely that it is, it is the way. Uh, absolutely unconditional love and compassion. There's a reason Jesus was burned on a cross for saying this stuff. Because people do not like being told to be 100% loving. That is a controversial statement, but it is the best one as far as I can tell. Yeah, it's, uh, it's tricky territory. And perhaps for the listener, you might have noticed parts of, parts of yourself getting upset because even in these past few minutes or, 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 or agitated or frustrated or appalled, offended, 
Yeah, well, offended is not a is not a, a feeling, you know. Uh, it's an it's an evaluation of what of a state, but really behind that is is physio. Like, what's the physiological sensation there? You know, um, pain, fear, maybe hurt. Sadness. Yeah, yeah, and so this is where I reiterate my point of it all starts with self because rather than you know, I would invite the listener if you perhaps felt those feelings or you just even just disagree or can you entertain the concept that we've discussed in terms of compassion for someone who's committed an atrocious act? Can you entertain that with curiosity and then look inward? Like what's going on for you? What came up for you physiologically, somatically in your body? Because that's, you know, that's, that's the truth right there. That's, that's where it's all at. The fact that you got triggered and we toss that word around, but it's really indicative of the fact that everyone in our culture is essentially traumatized, right? Whether yeah. that's severe or chronic or acute or, or not. Um, if you can have a, a disposition when you hear something that's uncomfortable to get curious about why you feel uncomfortable, And what I would say is to someone who would feel uncomfortable, offended, or angry at the, these some of these suggestions, I would say to ask oneself, what part of me is angry? Or what part of me is uncomfortable or whatever? What part of me is angry about what they're saying? And then ask that part, what do you need from me? And then ask yourself, have I shown love to the part of me that hates people mm -hmm. who hurt others? Have I shown love to the part of me that hates people who hurt others? What is that? That part is in pain over this. Has that part been held and loved completely and fully? and been allowed to even feel that hatred with, with no resistance, just love, just being loved. 